Oh my goodness, it is a Valleycast takeover. What? Hey guys, uh, good to see you. My name is Elliot Morgan and uh, I have a little treat for you. Really, it's a treat for you and for Joe and for Steve who are unable uh, to do the podcast today. That's not true. They're, uh, I think one of them is unable and I thought it would be a nice Thanksgiving treat for them since I have some free time today. I have a few days off school. If uh, if I just went ahead and did the Valleycast and have some quality time with you, and I have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about some personal stuff. We're going to be talking about some not-so-personal stuff. And later, we're going to dive into the new anthem by Kid Rock, Don't Tell Me How to Live, okay? So I hope this goes over well. I don't know. I think you're in for a real treat, but what do I know? I have no idea. You might be going, where's all three of them? I don't know. You know what I mean? It's that one of those holiday weekends where it's like it, it ships in the night. And it's like, what am I doing? I'm not doing anything. I, I went and got uh, Grace is getting a new a new car. And so we had to, I went and got that washed. And that was that's it. That's what I've done today. And then I was like, what else? What else am I going to do? So it's either I do this now and I, I oh, and also to be honest with you, here's another reason. I, you know what? You're right. Let me pour some Diet Coke. Don't feel like watching movies, so I'll watch people guess them instead. I don't know how it goes, I think it starts with your show. You want to talk about bad habits later? Oh my goodness gracious. Unbelievable. You hear that? Oh, that's nice. That's that nice aspartame. Oh, is that nice? There's a little ASMR for you. Oh, sounds like long term. Long-term health problems. Ooh, here we go. Mm. Mm. Delicious. Man, I uh, overdid it over the holiday weekend. I, I really, really went for it. We went to um, San Francisco, and it was uh, had no right being as beautiful as it was. I was definitely flabbergasted. I was taken aback. I was surprised, pleasantly so. And uh, anyway, I decided to do this because I want some attention, too. You know what I mean? I'm trying to scratch that rash of narcissists a little bit. Trying to get my, get myself out there a little bit more. I'm kind of a recluse these days. I don't know if that's clear based on my output, um, based on the lack of posting I do um, with anything. I've I've gotten really used to just not um, not talking publicly about things, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. But every now and then, it gets to a point where I go, "Uh oh, gotta scratch. I gotta say, I just want to hear the sound of my own voice for a second and make sure I still have the capability." To do it, and I think uh, I think I can uh, I think I can carry it. I think I can. I think I'm going to do a great job. I think I'm going to hit this one out of the park. In fact, I don't know about you. This already feels like one of the best episodes of the Valleycast we have ever had. In fact, was episode 202, 203. How crazy is that? So, little about me. Thanks for asking, Elliot. How are you? Oh, I don't know, man. <clears throat> um, let's uh, let's talk personal. Let's talk. Let's get into it. You know, let's get intimate. Um, I'm doing okay. I am doing aggressively, aggressively fine. Do you know what that, you know how that feels? When you're just right, just fine, just absolutely. And you might say, well, that's good. No, that's not what I said. That is not, that is not what I said. I said, I am fine. And I am like, I should take home a medal for how okay I am. I am hitting it so far out of the, I'm hitting it not even a home run. Just right, just enough to make it seem like I know how to play baseball. That's pretty much what where I'm at right now. Um, and it's uh, it's not a bad place to be, and it's not a great place to be. And I'm going to dive into it a little bit. So uh, this might come off a little uh, scattershot, but um, it's the Valley Cast. What would it be if it wasn't a little scattershot? <laughs> See how I'm trying to match the energy? I'm one person trying to match the 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 tried and true energy of three sometimes four people and i'm trying to do an amalgamation of personalities here for you why why it's just me that's okay this is a a, a, a therapeutic process it's self-therapeutic i just want to take a moment and uh and breathe let's breathe for a second okay uh, uh, we'll breathe in for a count of four now hold it for four Exhale, <sighs> and uh, we're good now. We're calm. Okay, um, yeah, man. Okay, so I'm doing fairly okay. And here's here's what's going on. For starters, uh, life is 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 good in many ways. 
And one of those ways is, uh, you know, I'm in a wonderful relationship. It's very fun. I get to spend so much time with the person I love, um, which is usually a good thing until we both go a little crazy because we're just staring at each other. What do you want to do now? Uh, But it's also a detriment sometimes because being in love, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. um, It's exhausting. (laughs) It's truly tiring. Um, it's, it's, uh, not a easy thing. It's, it is like a, um, emotional workout and it's wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I know there are people who would give anything to be in love. I understand that it's a blessing. It's the biggest blessing of my life in the history of my 34 years on this planet. But boy, I get tired. I get tired sometimes. I got, oh boy. You know, I used to be so obsessed with like, I'm going to do this and this and this. And now I'm like six sessions on tonight, followed by Curb. How great is that? You know, it's a it's a nice, peaceful thing. Um, another thing that's going very well, guys, and I don't know if you are aware of this or not. I've talked about it a fair amount, but I am in school um, like all the time. And I'm getting used to um, settling into the idea of being a full-time student. Have you ever done that before in your 30s? And I'm becoming increasingly infatuated with the stuff that I'm learning. And it is just such a speed. It's a speed shift. You know, it's a tempo shift, I guess, as they, I don't know, is that a thing? It is, right? That's what they say in music, tempo change or something. Uh, I'm, I'm in the key of learning now. And it is wonderful. I love everything I'm learning. For those of you who don't, um, aren't aware, I'm in a, a master's slash PhD program in uh, Jungian psychology and archetypal studies, which has been fascinating um, and so much more difficult, but also more uh, challenging than I ever possibly could have imagined. And so I read all the time and it is wonderful, but it is also just tiring and there's that uncertainty you know there's that uncertainty moving forward where it's like what is this even amount what am I even doing why am I doing this what do I think I'm doing I'm not studying to be a therapist I don't want to be a therapist I couldn't be a therapist because I'm what's called an oversharer do you know what that is I overshare I don't know what it comes from maybe it comes from Previously, keeping things too close to the chest, not saying things, watching things boil over, um, you know, blowing up certain things, certain elements of my life as a result of not communicating openly. Um, But whatever it is, I think I overcorrected. And sometimes I got to reel myself in and be like, oh, you can't really talk about that. You know, that's not really appropriate. And so therefore, if I was a therapist, I'd be the worst one because I would just be like, you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe that what they what they're going through. I'm still trying to match the energy, and I'm sorry. We're gonna find a nice, calm place as we move forward. Um, I love this background. It looks like there's some semblance of order to it. But if I pan down, there's just uh, uh, backpacks and empty clothes and everything and books. You guys want to see the silliest looking book ever? If you're on the audio version, so I'm taking this class right now that is um, exploring. There's uh, 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 this 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 class on imagination basically okay and and we think of imagination as just sort of you know fantasizing and it's all fake and it's all strange but the imaginal uh, space is very very interesting and it's you know sort of like um, I think it's Goethe's Faust and Dante's Inferno and all that stuff there's certain niches um, thus spoke Zarathustra um, other ancient texts have sort of been the result of people going through these strange psychological states and this class sort of explores that explores what they were going through but specifically focuses on this thing look at this look at the size of this thing this is cg jung's the red book now this is the biggest book i i have uh and probably will ever own and it is absolutely insane and i highly recommend it not only do i have the big facsimile version i even have this version which is uh very sexy and red and basically it is um, a very new book it was only published in like 2009 uh it was intended to be kept secret by cgu because he had the feeling that people would think he had gone crazy if they got their hands on it and um yeah that would be a correct assessment for 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 most i would say it's an absolutely fascinating book and it's very um it, it, he talks about it in memories dreams reflections but it's basically this um he calls this confrontation with the unconscious 
and it happened shortly after his break with Freud, and he spent years and years working on this. He wrote it in this incredible calligraphy. He did art with it, and he explored uh, the back end of his brain. He explored the back end of his psyche. Um, at least that's sort of the the hypothesis, and uh, it's unbelievably interesting and unbelievably fun, and it's opening uh, doorways in my brain that I think have been stuck there from overly rational thinking. I don't know if you guys have ever been like, I just, you know, you have to, we get stuck in these boxes. But anyway, I digress. That's not what this podcast is about. I just get very interested about it, and so I hope if you're interested in it, you can reach out on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and uh, I can give you some some recommendations, but it's all very interesting. Um, the other thing going on with me is this. It's you guys. It's this podcast, and it's this this thing that we've called the Valley Folk, and it is in a state of transition, if uh, if you could call it that. And I uh, I've been I would say I don't know if it's an accusation. I would say I've been complimented with the idea of being a fast processor of things. Like I I, I move forward i move past things relatively quickly and i get in conversations with grace about this a lot because she sees it as kind of a cool thing that i can sort of go okay this this is what's happening and we're going to do this but really i think oftentimes i don't really process anything at all i uh i just move past it and there's a big difference between those things um because i am i i tend to be a future oriented person um i my head is is in the future my my thoughts my motivations my actions are toward um the future some of them anyway you know the amount that i drank over thanksgiving weekend not so much that was definitely more of a regression but um yeah i I tend to 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 focus on the future i tend to think the best is yet to come um it's a blind sort of optimism that maybe doesn't come across in my everyday moment when i'm being present with people um because i'm uh, i'm somewhere else you know my head can be in the clouds sometimes at the detriment of being a future-oriented person um most people i know are more in the past some people i have met are in the present and they scare me um those are the people that are like hey just everything's fine i'm like no no, it's not. No, everything's not fine. Nothing's gonna be, we, maybe we'll get there. And everything never was fine. Certainly not fine right now. But, you know, it's nice to be in the present. It's nice to take those meditations that we just did earlier. And I hope you're feeling as zen um, as I do right now. So look at that. We're doing great. This is a nice, fun intro. But I'm processing this whole thing. I'm processing it in my own way and on my own time. And I'm doing it very quietly because it probably um, doesn't, I don't communicate well how much uh, all of this has meant and how important it has been. And with those types of feelings uh, come also other feelings like certain types of regrets, certain types of, um, uh, oh boy, I could have done that one better. Oh, I could have seen that one coming. How did I not know, you know, and oh man, if we'd have done this differently, this would have been uh, uh, better. But I think I'm coming to terms with the Valley folk for... uh, myself and so i figured why not talk about it on the valley cast there might not be a more appropriate place to do so and uh because i can be long-winded and not get to a point very quickly it's probably best that it's just me rambling right now but this is just my personal take on it and this is the way i'm thinking about it all right so i'm going to start with a story this is going to be kind of a metaphor if you don't like it I totally get it. It's not going to make a ton of sense. There's not going to be a linear path here. It's going to be circling around uh, something. So I'm going to begin with a story that uh, happened. Uh, that I'm going to be. I'm going to be intentionally vague. My intention here is not to to speak negatively or or harp on anything that uh, is no one. You know, I'm not going to. There won't be any violins playing. Um, so at the beginning of the Valley Folk, there's always been this sort of. Uh, uh, tension. There's always been in any group, any creative group that you're working with, there's always going to be difficulties. In the beginning of the valley, before we even started making content, I was already like, I don't, ah, something is, something's off. You know what I mean? Something is, 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 um, there's been some things said and done that I I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I got, I was hurt. I was angry. I was frustrated and I was scared. Um, and so I got a call from this guy, named and this will all make sense a little bit i got a call from a guy named uh rob bell who i super admire if you don't know who rob bell is he wrote a book called love wins um he used to be like a pastor for um i think it was like mars hill not the crazy mars hill 
uh, but a different Mars Hill, and, and he's a great guy. He's written a bunch of stuff, and he does a bunch of public speaking, and uh, I really respect him. I think he's a good person, and he gave me a piece of advice, and this is what he said. He was like, Elliot, do you know what alchemy is? And that's a funny, looking back, I think this is an interesting element to at least my journey with the valley folk because i was like no i don't i don't really i don't know what i, I mean i know was like you know tinkering and there's you know gold and you're making gold out of something and he was like he's like yeah he's like you guys the four of you seem to have something that when you're all together it is greater than the sum of your parts there's something explosive that resonates and he was like don't don't lose that don't hold on to that because there's something very special about that so I was like, okay, and I calmed down, you know, and I got my, pant my, you know, my me undies out of a wad, and uh, I was like, I got it. Let's let's move forward and, and see what happens. It also goes to show that sometimes the best advice you can only listen to it for so long because uh, the more I think about it now, the more I think about looking back on the Valley Folk, that I think is the highlight for me. There was this alchemical thing um, that was happening that was. Uh, incredible and beyond my understanding. I think beyond any of our understandings. And that was the experiment. That was the alchemical experiment. Now, since then, what's interesting to me at least is I've gone from <laughs> from doing this this company to to going through the ups and the downs, and then going to school and going. Oh, I really like this this type of psychology. I really like this this um way of looking at how our brains work and i'm fascinated by it and i have many years left on this planet i want to explore this as best i can take a risk challenge myself see what I, I can learn but the thing is unbeknownst to me alchemy was hugely important to to uh cg jung he wanted to find historical antecedents for his model of the psyche so he wanted to find um a way to justify what his ideas were that um would support it because it's not like we just invented psychology is a very young um a very young field it's only like 150 years old at that it's the newest of the sciences but it's not like our brains are it's not like depression was not existent before we named it depression or pick any other you know diagnosis and so he wanted to find things in history where he could find hints of what he was working on and with alchemy he found a uh, parallel toward the idea of individuation and if you don't know what individuation is it's basically a lifelong process of, of developing a personality it's where you kind of come to terms with the stuff that you don't want to think about maybe the stuff that you haven't processed because you're so focused on the future it's the stuff that um it's it's the stuff that uh, that you don't even know about that is hiding in your own brain because you've you've kind of unconsciously put it there and he found these parallels in alchemy and he also found it in Gnostics and uh, the Neoplatonists and Plato and all that stuff. So he went back as far as he could. But in alchemy in particular, he found this this incredible like support for his ideas, which may or may not be you know uh, super relevant or correct for that matter. But it's interesting to learn how he got there. Uh, people of specifically newer unions, Hillman, I'm very into right now. He does archetypal psychology, very into him. And he took a lot of Jung and then left a lot of Jung behind. So it's all very fun. Um, and I won't go on to a tangent, but whatever, this is my rash and narcissist that I'm scratching. So just buckle up. Um, and so I, now I know more about alchemy. And so now when I look back on that metaphor of Valley folk in terms of alchemy, the thing that, <laughs> the, I don't know, I, whatever, this is going to be whatever. The alchemists would very frequently handle things like um, like uh, liquid mercury. Now, mercury or uh, is what they were using to sort of turn other substances into gold or to try to turn other substances into gold. And it was not just a science experiment because the alchemists primarily were pre-science. Alchemy dates back to like 2,500 years ago. Started with the Egyptians, I believe, and it experienced a resurgence uh, in the medieval times. Courts, um, uh, royalty would have alchemists on deck the same way they would have astrologer and a jester. And the alchemists would, um, you know, perform fun tricks. And then they would go back down into their laboratory and they would start trying to create gold again and it was seen as this sort of mysterious mystical sometimes anti uh religious thing and so then the alchemists very often would um 
would deal with dangerous things. An alchemist was who came up with gunpowder, for example. Um, they came up with an explosive that changed the course of human history. And, uh, and so, as a result, basically, many alchemists, because they were dealing with such potent, volatile elements, they uh, exploded themselves. Uh, quite frequently. Uh, they go, oh, boom, another alchemist. Uh, dead. Oh, uh, oh, that's not good. I don't know. I think that kind of resonates. That kind of makes me go, okay, that that makes sense. And now even more so, because so just to keep exploring this, I think this process would be called amplification. Uh, to explore it within the terms of the Valley Folk, there's also a, uh, there was a, when you look back on alchemy now, when mainstream science looks back on alchemy, they go, oh, they weren't really doing anything. They, that was a bunch of hocus pocus. Maybe it was. Part of it was because a lot of it was also a very spiritual and psychological side to it. And I think that also, at least for me, um, resonates with the Valley Folk. It's also been a psychological process. It's also been a very spiritual process at times. It's been a um, character building and also sometimes just character reflecting experience. Um, and... Sometimes alchemists, when they would try to uh, sort of present their findings, you know, they said, you know, a lot of alchemists were looking for the philosopher's stone. They were looking for the, the tree of life, the, you know, the fountain of youth. They were looking for all of these things. They were looking for magical, um, religious, uh, mythological things using different elements while not really knowing what they were because this was prior to chemistry. Sometimes they would pop out and they would be like, hey, you know, um, I found gold, and then it would turn out that it wasn't gold, and then that alchemist would get killed. And so sometimes in alchemy, when certain things were presented as being not what they actually were, there was uh, a downside to that. There was something that happened that uh, that alchemist would be executed or punished or, um, or um, what is it, when they, they kick him out? Excommunicated, you know, banned, banished. Uh, they, they click dislike. They leave negative uh, comments. They would, you know, come. They would say, "Get out! We don't like you anymore." Um, and so that's kind of how I'm wrapping my head around the Valley Folk. I don't know if that makes any sense. I think it does, and I like to think of it that way because I do believe there was an alchemical sort of process that happened. There still is at times with the Valley Folk, um, and it's also dealing with dangerous chemicals, dealing with a group of egos and a group of um, differing motivations and that mercurial, uh, which mercury is uh, seen as often this um, kind of a, uh, the, the communicator, the, the, uh, but it's also volatile. And so when you have volatile communication, certain things can happen. Um, and that's how I like to look at it because I want to look back on it the same way people look back on alchemy, which is, oh yeah, maybe that didn't quite work but they were doing something, and they were doing something that led uh, to where everybody is at now. And so that's kind of where my head is at. It's like this sort of um, initiation or, or a ritual or an experiment that maybe didn't come to fruition in any way that uh, is what you would expect. Um, however, it definitely, I think, was a learning experience. And so that does that make sense? That's my statement on the, the Valley Folk that, or, that I have so far. That was, and I hope it doesn't just come off like I'm trying to show off that I just watched a History Channel special on alchemy um, before starting this. But it maybe I did, and if I did, that's none of your business. But um, the other thing, yeah, and so that the other element to this, the other sort of mercurial thing, the the volatile um, ingredient was the audience, and the audience being um, supportive and being also sort of. The uh, employers, the, the people going, okay, do your thing, make your chemical, make your thing, go into your lab, come out and create something. And if as long as you do it the best you can and you're honest about it and you're, you're good and you'll be fine. But if you don't, something, something's going to happen. And that, I think, is uh, there's parallels there, too. Now, I'm not going to you know draw. I'm not going to get out a diagram or anything, um, but it's uh, a fun thing to think about. So anyway, if you're interested in alchemy, I don't Google it, uh, look it up on YouTube. I'm not going to give you any any books to read on it or anything because that sounds very silly. Um, and we have more important things to talk about. But first, here's some ads. Hello, everybody. Joe here to interrupt the Elliot Palooza, the Ella Palooza, the Ella Elliot talking a lot. 
with some ad reads from me. And first up is MeUndies, one of our favorites. Guys, it's officially the winter wonderland season. And if you look outside your window, it's all cold and it's chilly out. So what do you want to do when it's chillier than a snowman's cheeks? You want to bundle up with layers and layers of comfy goodness. We've been waiting for this, y'all. Spread the cozy vibes to literally anyone in your life with me undies. They've got super soft gifts for everyone near and dear to your heart. And while you're at it, why not get yourself a little something? Because you're also near and dear to your own heart because it's inside you, so you might as well be good to you. And that, you know what I'm saying? You deserve all the comfy things. Look, are you more of a onesie person? Or are you more of a uh, get some matching PJs with uh, the loved one in your life type of person? I contend, why not be both? Because then you're just swimming in MeUndies and it's the best thing ever, right? Right. Get your festive on with the new MeUndies holiday collection featuring classic plaids you know and love and sweater-inspired prints that will quickly become favorites. Their undies, loungewear, and sleepwear are made out of soft, breathable, stretchy fabrics that are ideal for sitting fireside with loved ones and chatting about life over a cup of hot cocoa, is what the words say that I'm reading. But it's also true. Get the family photo you've always dreamed of with matching PJ sets or make every day a spa day with new plush robes and plush slippers. What? <laughs> I'm learning this in real time. And it's, yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> Whatever you decide, everyone will be rolling into the new year comfier than before. Available in sizes XS through 4XL, MeUndies has a little something for everyone on your list. So MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. Your days of fighting for your life in the mall parking lot are over. You don't have to do that anymore because of MeUndies. So hop on this bandwagon, y'all. So get 15% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee by going to MeUndies.com slash valley. That is MeUndies.com slash valley. Uh, back this 100%. It's all that's in my my undie drawer. I'll show you sometime, you perverts. Oh, segue to the next one. And while you're rocking those MeUndies, why not cover the rest of your body with some Stitch Fix? Another service that we super love and back here at the Valley Folk. You know your closet well, but what does it sound like? Yes, your closet. Does it whisper your taste? Does it scream your taste? With Stitch Fix Freestyle, a shop that evolves alongside your taste, your closet will scream, so you without actually screaming because that would be frightening. You know the feeling when you stumble upon a piece of clothing that is just so perfect for you that you didn't even know that you needed it, but now you can never live without? That is how it is when you use Stitch Fix Freestyle. I've used it a bunch. There's a, uh, what's a good word? There's a gaggle of pieces in my closet that I would have never went out and shopped for on my own because I hate shopping one, but I also am very bad at shopping for me. And they sent it to me and I was like, hey, I dig this. I'm gonna wear it. Your style isn't one size fits all. It's about what suits your body and what suits the moment. So why not shop at a store that is personalized to your size and fit? Because that's what they do here. Introducing Stitch Fix Freestyle, a shop built just for you. Stitch Fix Freestyle is your trusted style destination where you can discover and instantly buy curated items based on your style, likes, and lifestyle. Whether you're looking for a brand you love or to try a new one, a Stitch Fix Freestyle, at Stitch Fix Freestyle, you can shop a range of over 1,000 brands personalized to your size and fit. That's, uh, we're just spoiling you now. This is ridiculous. With styles for workouts to workwear, for lounging around the house, or for a night out on the town, Stitch Fix Freestyle has clothes for any occasion. Yeah. Plus, there's no subscription required, and they offer free shipping, returns, and exchanges. So to get started today by filling out your style quiz at Stitch Fix dot <coughs> rewind get started today by filling out your style quiz at stitchfix.com slash valleycast that's stitchfix.com slash valleycast to stitch fix freestyle give it a shot stitchfix.com slash valleycast stitch fix freestyle and now segue to number three you're looking good under your clothes you're looking good with your clothes now you gotta get the rest of you looking good right we're gonna talk about apostrophe now Get ready, buckle in. Have you guys heard of tretinoin or spironolactone or clindamycin? Clindamycin, clindamycin. Look, I may not be able to pronounce these ingredients, but I can tell you what they do, all right? Tretinoin unclogs pores and even skin tone. I'm uh, just in my brain, I'm not reading it, you guys. Spironolactone targets hormonal acne. And clindamycin 
fights acne-causing bacteria and inflammation. I still don't know if I pronounced that last one right. Uh, I didn't know what these were either until I got my own prescription acne treatment from Apostrophe, the sponsor of this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a, a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your skin, no one else's. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, then snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats all types of acne, from hormonal acne to facial acne and even chest knee, back knee, and butt knee. They treat breakouts from head to toe. Uh, what are your skincare goals? That's what the dermatologist is for. You get to go back and forth and set up a perfect plan that works for you. I did that. I had some this upper acne up on the forehead, the greasy spot, and I could never really get rid of it hooked up with a dermatologist here from Apostrophe, and uh, we worked it out. And as smooth as a baby, a baby without acne. <laughs> so you should give it a shot because uh, again, it's about you, it's personalized to you. It's not just going to a store and kind of rolling the dice. This is, a, this is a plan that you figure out in concert with a team for your body and your face, and it's good. So we have a special deal for your, our audience. Save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash valleycast when you use our code valleycast. This code is only available to our listeners because it's special. So to get started, go to apostrophe.com slash valleycast and click begin visit, then use our code valleycast at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash valleycast. Use that code valleycast to get your dermatologist certified treatment plan for $5. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring this podcast. And before I go, please um, do take a moment, use all of these codes, go try all these services out back them all 100% and uh, it helps you and it also helps us. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsors. And now back to Elliot. I didn't need to do that. I clapped. I've been doing this for, I've been doing this for a lot of years and I clap as though if I don't, the whole thing is ruined and I don't really think that's the case. Have you guys heard Kid Rock's Don't Tell Me How to Live? Okay. I'm going to talk to you about Kid Rock's Don't Tell Me How to Live. And I uh, I hope you like it. I'm going to read some uh, lyrics. What we're going to do is we're going to analyze this. We're going to really do a deep dive. Um, lyrically. And uh, I saw this video last week sometime... Uh, probably a week and a half ago, I was able to get through about 40 seconds of it. Then later I revisited it, and I recognized the sheer genius. And I recognized what was, what I'd previously misunderstood, that this is truly a work of art. Um, not just the music video, but also the lyrics and the energy of just, you're not going to tell me how to live. Um, and so let's dive into it. If you haven't heard it, you can pause this. Maybe we can insert a song. I don't know. But uh, you might like it. You, you, might, you might go, this is, um, this is Stairway to Heaven level type stuff. Uh, also, <laughs> just to as a side note, did you know that The Offspring made a new album and they didn't tell me? They made a new album and released it earlier this year, and it's kind of awesome, and it's like, well, I love The Offspring, I always have, and they haven't changed their sound at all. But I went through this deep dive because I'm what a uh, Freudian might call an obsessive neurotic, and uh, <laughs> I uh, I looked back and, and, and found, I was like, Dexter Holland is the, the lead lead singer, and I was like, isn't he a smarty pants? Like, if I recall correctly, that, that boy is, it was a smarty pants. And I Googled it, and I found that um, Dexter Holland is, uh, a, like, a genius. And the guy who, who does, you know, Pretty Fly for a White Guy, um, who knew, is uh, an absolute genius. He actually has a Ph.D. in molecular biology. He went back and got a Ph.D. in molecular biology, and because I had gotten a little high... I decided to, and because I have access to research databases as a result of being in school, I was like, I can find 
Dexter Holland's thesis and I can read it uh, if I want. Um, and I can, I can find out, like, I bet it's really punk and I bet it's really rocking. And I bet you can tell he's got spiked hair. So here's the title of the lead singer of the Offsprings thesis. <laughs> it's called Identification of Human Micro-RNA-like Sequences Embedded Within the Protein Encoding Genes of the Human Immunodeficiency Virus. So basically, he studied HIV, uh, and he's, his real name is Brian, Brian Holland. And this is what, just, I'm going to read you the first paragraph, just because I like stuff that flies so directly over my head and makes me so thankful that what I'm studying doesn't have the letters RNA uh, almost anywhere. So microRNAs, or myRNAs, are highly conserved, naturally occurring, 18 to 22 nucleotides long, non-coding RNA molecules are processed from... Long precursor transcripts, pre-miRNAs, the cellular miRNAs are transcribed by the same transcription factors and RNA polymerase tube that control the transcription of protein and RNA polymerase to the, oh, I read the same line, encoding messenger RNAs, mRNAs, the pre-miRNA are, are processed into mature mRNAs by complex molecular processes involving cleavage by RNAs-3-like enzyme drosia in the nucleus followed by the transport to the cytoplasm mediated by exportant 5 in a second cleavage by dicer and rnas3 like enzyme one string i mean first of all that sends me back to my days in college of learning about biology and microbiology and that is that is like what i learned on steroids and it is fascinating and this is the guy who does the offspring um and it, i think it's just people are fascinating what 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 else is there to say People are absolutely interesting. We are the most interesting species in the world, save for the um, the lizard people because they're good at hiding. Maybe Sasquatch, um, and yeah, that's about it. I think we are far and away the most interesting species. It's this is not the mRNA stuff. That's gobbledygook i don't know what that means i mean i do kind of know it but you know what i mean i don't really know what it means i mean the fact that this is like a weezer like we like okay how long are okay it took me a little bit of 30 minutes to get into it weezer rivers went back to harvard and he got a degree in something or other i think english literature or something like that um people are interesting and they're doing interesting things. And I think that there's a lesson to be said for people moving forward in life and embracing uh, embracing changes. And that's what my favorite part is about Kid Rock's Don't Tell Me How to Live, uh, specifically the chorus. So I want to first, I want to start with, first I'll read all the lyrics, and then we're going to start with the chorus and we're going to dive into the rest. Now, I'm not going to swear because this is a this is a kid-friendly show, if ever there was one. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to dive into this, and I'm going to try to not say any of the swears. Um, F all you hoes. Detroit till I die, mother effer. Talking all that bull crap. Ain't nobody gonna tell me how to live. See? You didn't think you'd get any singing on here, did you? That was um, Monster Truck's part. I'm a moonshine sipper, straight slipping in the darkness. Far from heartless, I'm more like the sharpest. Tool in the shed? No, I've never been the smartest. But make no mistake, I hit the effin' hardest. Devil without a cause. You heard me scream it. And 20 years later, B, I still effin' mean it. Bucka bucka, you ain't never met a mother effa like this. Kiss my ass, then you can suck my D sideways. My way or the highway? Listen up, ain't nothing changed here. I still don't give a F. So what the F's up with the backlash? You snowflakes, here's a newsflash. Ain't nobody gonna tell me how to leave. Again, that was Monster Truck's part. Moving on. Years ago, we all thought it was a joke, see? 
that every kid got a mother effing trophy. Do you think he added the C to make it rhyme with trophy? Who knows? But yo, homie, here's the situation. A nation of pussies is our next generation. I think that's great. And these minions and their agendas, every opinion has a millennial offended. But this amendment one, it rings true. And if you don't dissent, B, then C number two ain't nothing new. Right, church wrong, pew. Get a clue, accrue your fake news and views. Can all get the bottom of my mother effing shoe. I'm the last of a few still screaming F you. Ain't nobody gonna tell me how to live. And then he repeats it. Ain't nobody gonna tell me how to live. And then he says, oh, I'm gonna soar like an eagle. My wings will carry me away. I got the heart of a lion. I get stronger every day. This is the third verse. There's three verses. You know, you'll never tell me crap. You'll never flip my script. Because I'm more outrageous than the Vegas Strip, which is very not that outrageous. It's not the most outrageous part of anyway. You're like Mayberry, B. I'm hard and crisp, high risk hillbilly, but I'm filthy rich. You're like Millie Vanilli, kind of silly and shit. I'm like Shotgun Willie smoking fillies and shit. I'm like Reverend Run or David Lee Roth, like Springsteen, B. I'm the mother effing boss. James Dean shit, I'm more like Brad Pitt, a little less pretty, but I slang more dick. We're going to dive into that. I twang more riffs, I slide through grass. I rip more lines than 10-pound bass. That line I love, and not ironically. Past the mic, I'm like slow gin fizz, ain't nobody, it ain't nobody. Ain't nobody going to tell me how to live. Okay, so what we're going to do here is we're going to incorporate um, an idea of uh, literary literary criticism that came out of postmodernism called Death of the Author. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with Death of the Author, is the idea of Death of the Author is essentially um, it was an essay written in 1967, and it basically argues that uh, the author of a particular text has no bearing on what the actual text means. So we have a tendency to read things, um, you know, say you're reading something from C.G. Jung and he says something that is definitely not um, uh, relevant to our modern day, or perhaps it's even backwards, or perhaps it's even downright wrong or offensive. Um, There is a tendency to go, oh, well, he didn't mean anything by that. He was in a different time. Although those things may be true, um, the reality is, or I guess this death of the author thing, argues that the method of reading and criticism that relies on aspects of author's identity to distill meaning from the author's work, um, it argues against that method. In this type of criticism against which, he argues, the experiences and biases of the author serve as a definitive explanation of the text. Uh, For the author of Death of the Author, however, this method of reading may be apparently tidy and convenient, but it's actually sloppy and flawed. To give a text an author and assign a single corresponding interpretation to it is to impose a limit on that text. And so therefore, when we go through the lyrics of Don't Tell Me How to Live by Kid Rock, there might be a a desire to go, well, this is what he means. This is, you know, we're going to take a little snippet here. We're going we're gonna to remove all the rest of it. We're going we're gonna to excise it from the rest. And we're just going to look at the chorus here, all right? Uh, ain't nobody going to tell me how to live. So death of the author, if we're going to approach it in that way, and you can approach it in different ways. You want to be able to go back and forth, you know? it's a, you Have fun. You know, you want to play with the text. You want to, you you know, you hold it different ways. You know, hold it up to light a little different, you know? It's like a prism, you know? Like, oh, there's a, something, something else from. So ain't nobody going to tell me how to live. I think that's an excellent sentiment. Okay, I think Monster Truck is hitting um, a very progressive, very important note. Because when I think of a lot of uh, our problems today, a lot of the complaints, a lot of the concerns, a lot of the um, injustices that are rampant in our culture, I think a lot of them could be solved if we recognized that we need to not tell people how to live. Uh, if Especially if they are... Um, have a history of being told how to live in this country. I think those people especially should not be told how to live. I think they should be uh, recognized as uh, as full um, autonomous human beings, and we should uh, you know come to grips with our past, come to grips with with what we've done. So for Monster Truck to say this is truly remarkable. Um, ain't nobody gonna tell me how to live. Right on, Monster Truck. Right on. You know what I mean? No one's gonna tell you how to live. And in fact, I don't think we should tell anybody anybody how to live you know at our core unless say i don't know and i'm just spitballing here there's some sort of uh, collective detriment 
I don't know, to to living the way you want to live, you know? I mean, because you could also, ain't nobody going to tell me how to live. Um, if Say you're a, a, a psychopath and you go, ain't nobody going to tell me how to live. Well, maybe somebody should tell you how to live because if you decide you're going to go, uh, you know, make a bomb and do stuff with that, I don't know, man. I think I'm going to tell you how to live. I, I think I support us telling folks how to live in certain situations but for the most part no i think people and i think it's amazing that this song is so on the side of of progressive people like that i think it's really incredible um obviously now removing the death of the author lens no that's not what he meant so we're going to start here at the top um so my favorite my first favorite is far from heartless i'm more like the sharpest tool in the shed no i've never been the smartest (sighs) okay okay so there's some self-awareness there that kind of it's like a caboose you know like it doesn't exactly lead with the self-awareness it kind of he kind of tacks it on there at the end almost maybe for the sake of the rhyme uh and i think it's good that maybe Kid Rock doesn't ne- recognize that he's not necessarily <laughs> the sharpest tool in the shed. But then he says, but make no mistake, I hit the hardest. Uh, so what he's, it seems to me what he's saying is it's okay if you're not super smart so long as you can beat people up. And that's, that's, um, that's one way of looking at things. And uh, you ever, man... You could make so much money if you just memorize the five talking points of these grifters. Now, there's some folks who maintain that grifters like this don't really believe what they're saying, Um, that they are just saying it because it appeals to a certain brand of person who feels decentered or or knocked off kilter by the ever-changing social climate that we have found ourselves in and uh and so these people lie and they make up things that appeal to them so that those people can go uh oh yes that's what i uh, believe and then they buy their books and then they follow them and then they go to their things and then those people who receive all of that money and all of those followers and all of that attention they receive positive feedback for uh their their sort of vitriol their 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 hate-filled garbage their absolute and total excrement and they begin to actually believe that what they're doing is beneficial and what they're doing is is just because it has given both them and their audiences a sense of victimhood and self-entitlement that uh has given them also a sense of purpose because we live in a world now where people do not feel a sense of purpose a lot of uh, middle class a lot of working class people, a lot of men, a lot of white people, a lot of cis people, a lot of people all across all of the spectrums don't quite feel like they have a purpose, like they have a reason to live anymore. And how else do you have a purpose without finding an enemy? So you find an enemy, you look for an enemy in the other, you create an other, you create a fictional other if that's what it takes. And then all of a sudden you feel like there's a reason though for you to get out of bed in the morning and you're fighting against something and you're fighting the good fight. And then Kid Rock comes along and he says 20 years later, bitch i still mean it bucka bucka you ain't never met a mother effer like this and then he says kiss my butt then you can s my d sideways why why did he say that why sideways what's the purpose doesn't that isn't that i don't know but isn't that like kind of no pun intended softening the blow a little bit like, he just said he hits the hardest, but then he's saying, S his D sideways? But that's, wouldn't it be worse to sort of write in the, I don't know. And that's where, that's where you get it. That's where art, interpreting art becomes so uh, subjective. Hawk, hawk, hawk. Wow. Wow. Oh, taken aback. Beautiful. Ain't no one going to tell that hawk how to live. Such a cool bird. Scary. Uh, they can be very scary. Man, I was there was a, a hawk that flew into the tree the other day, and I was looking at it. It was so beautiful. And then 
I was like, just doing, I love birds. I've gotten really into birds lately. Um, and then two other hawks just came, just attacked the crap out of it. And it was, uh, it was terrifying. It looked because I don't know if you've ever seen three hawks together very close, but it looks like one big hawk. And it looked like a mythical, it looked like a three headed hawk. Just, and then they all just flew away. And then they would start screaming at each other and like flying into each other. I was like, whoa, this is really cool. Um, and scary, and I hope uh, I hope they're fine. I mean, I'm sure that was the guy. Anyway, so you snowflakes, here's a new splash. Ain't no one gonna tell me how to live. You know this snowflake idea. What do we think about that? Snowflake. Snowflake. You can't handle it. Snowflake does seem sort of like an idea of inventing an other, right? Snowflake. I guess that's true. You know, I mean, I, I can be a snowflake sometimes. I've been a snowflake in the past. I think we're all snowflakes sometimes. Here's a news flash. Ain't no one going to tell you. Okay. Years ago, we all thought it was a joke, see, that every kid got a mother effing trophy. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you guys get the hell over that? Get over it. Who cares? Who cares? Do you think that's the problem? Do you think that's where we went wrong? All of our problems go back to those tiny, tiny trophies. Do you think the kids didn't know they were participation trophies? Do you think the kids weren't aware? When they looked around and saw every other kid with a trophy, that it was a participation trophy. I remember seeing the participation trophies. The participation trophies, there was like 40 of them all lined up, and they were tiny. And then you saw the big ones. It's not like they got rid of trophies. They were still giving away trophies. But you walked away with a little treat, a little trinket, a little trinket trophy treat. Who cares? It's like, you just called other people snowflakes but you can't get over the participation trophy thing let it go man make like elsa and let it go move on a nation of pussies is our next generation fine you know why i think we've had enough generations of just brute dumb masculinity i think that there's room for masculine and feminine to be all mixed together why not in fact, I think we could use a little bit more of the feminine in life. I think we could use a little bit more of that. I think we could use a little bit more softness, a little bit more being in touch with your emotions. I like that. I think that's nice. What are you so scared of? And also, who do you... Good, right? These are the people you think are snowflakes. These are the people you think have absolutely no value in society because they got participation trophies. So great. Wouldn't you want them to be somehow, I don't know, the way you're using the word, I assume you mean weaker, Kid Rock, is that, or you, I assume you mean some sort of um, uh, 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 lesser than, um, uh, um, obsolete, inept, that kind of thing. Wouldn't you want that, you know, isn't that kind of in that, all that alpha, you know, art of war stuff? That's what you would want. Good. You're celebrating. You should be celebrating. Why are you so angry? If I found out that the people I disagree with were uh, had no way of, of beating and, and rising up and winning because they were pussies, I'd be like, great. It's like when you're playing Monopoly, okay? And you end up with, let's say, my favorite, the Orange Properties, St. James Place, Tennessee, New York Avenue. And you, you, you kind of, you get some of the yellows. You just get one of the yellow, one of the greens, and then maybe one of the reds. You're set, by the way. That's the perfect Monopoly strategy. They're not going to, you're never going to land on the blues. It's fine. People will go for the blues. Working mistake. All right. But when you have that, when you have a little bit, when you have your orange properties, nice middle of the road properties, a couple specs of the bigger ones. All right. Do this on the first round, first go around. All right. You get all those properties. Focus on the orange. You see the other people. What are they doing? They're going for the, the, the St. Charles. They're going for the, the um, what are the purple ones right by the orange ones? They're getting stuck with the, the Baltics, the Mediterranean avenues. If I find out that the person I'm playing Monopoly against is stuck with Mediterranean Avenue, I'm not going to be sitting there going, shame on you. I'm going, okay. Kind of lost the plot there with that one. In these minions and their agendas, every opinion has a millennial offended. Prove it. I'm going to need to see some data on that, Mr. Rock. Really? I don't think I've been offended in like four years. I try to be. No, I do get it. I, I do get offended. But you got to really go for it. Maybe you're confusing being offended with uh, being exhausted. Maybe that's what's going on. 
Kid Rock. Maybe you maybe you're thinking that because sometimes millennials see the same mistakes happening over and over again and still seek perhaps because they're future oriented people themselves some sort of rectification of a, a inherently unjust system and uh they see the same crap happening over and over and over again that they eventually just go <sighs> and they start singing john mayer's waiting on the world to change and staying in their houses all the time maybe you think that's what being offended is but you kind of sound offended yourself mr rock and i don't mean to be i don't want you to come at me uh, but I'm just saying, ain't nothing new, right? Church wrong pew. What does that mean? A lot of profanity. I got the heart of a lion. I get stronger every day. You know who um, doesn't get stronger every day, or what doesn't get stronger every day? The heart of a lion. <laughs> it's not. They're not. They they go through life cycles like everything else, like everything else like it's not just you know creatures that go through life cycles or organisms it's also uh political systems it's also uh cultural and and social norms go through life cycles things change and uh and sometimes they evolve sometimes they go back it's sort of just this this messy tumbleweed uh that we try to do our best with so i i, I don't i don't know i don't know that 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 is factually uh accurate anyway um so James, okay, here here he compares himself to a number of people. Shotgun Willie, Millie Vanilli, Reverend Runner, David Lee Roth, Springsteen, James Dean. Uh, great rhymes. Um, he says he's more like Brad Pitt than he's like James Dean. Um, he's a little less pretty, a little less pretty. Kid Rock admits he's a little less pretty than Brad Pitt. But he slang, he slang more, I slang more, more dick. I slang more dick. It's like they, it's like they, it's like they're always, the truth is just bubbles up between the surfaces. You know what I mean? They, I think it was, uh, maybe it was Freud. It's like people don't really lie as much as we think they do. They just tell the truth in different ways. So people sometimes tell the truth with the tapping of the finger, a side glance, you know, parapraxis, Freudian slip, um, activation of a complex union terms. You sort of lash out at the, the you know, uh, the, uh, what do you call it, rush hour or something. You find yourself all of a sudden in an affect. You find yourself just absolutely going crazy. That's when the truth comes out. That's when you've realized something else is going on, but it's always there. It's always just on the surface. It's seeping out. Some of this it's like it sounds like the exact opposite of what he's, <laughs> he's trying to say uh and i know it's just supposed to be a stupid song that i guess is supposed to offend uh, you know the snowflakes it just is so old sounding it's like a it's like a comedy club in the 90s you know it's like the have you heard that thing it's like the a lot of conservative conservatives have like two jokes really they have one joke and it's usually about trans people and then the other joke is uh uh now it's let's go brandon which they think is like hilarious um apparently people were saying f joe biden and an announcer at a sporting event misinterpreted as let's go brandon and they now say let's go brandon as a code for f joe biden all right man why you gotta what is that even why what are you who are you talking to it reminds me of the scene from Truman Show when Truman Burbank is recognizing that he's being watched and his wife starts advertising a new type of knife to him. And he's like, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Who's your audience? Anyway, ain't nobody going to tell me how to live and it ends on that note. Now, if you haven't seen the video, I highly recommend it. It's worth your time. Um, that's obviously a joke. I don't think it's worth your time, but I thought you guys might enjoy uh, me sort of riffing um, because unlike Kid Rock, I don't twang more riffs and I don't slide through grass and I don't rip more lines than a 10-pound bass. However, I do not want to end this on a negative note or something that makes me sound like I haven't enjoyed this song and I don't find it highly entertaining. So I will say I rip more lines than a 10 pound bass is an awesome, awesome line. And uh, if this is the kind of stuff that Kid Rock has in the vault or has in the pipeline, I say, you know, let's get it out. You know what I mean? Let's 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 see it. Let's hear it. It's not going to be maybe I may not listen to it as much as I listen to the offspring. but That's OK. I'm OK with that. I think that's a good thing. Um, OK, guys. Uh, I've talked to you about some stuff. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed this rundown of 
Kid Rocks, Don't Tell Me How to Live. I hope you've enjoyed me reflecting on the Valley Folk and all the wonderful people there. I love all those people. I've loved the journey. I've loved doing this podcast with you and just hearing myself talk for a little bit. If you've made it this far, uh, drop a C in the C section. Tell me how you're doing. I hope you're doing well. Um, And thank you so much for listening. I apologize for all of the ums. And if you have any sort of feedback, any questions or anything, just DM me on Instagram or uh, Twitter. I'm usually pretty available. And I don't really have any announcements to make because I had a few days off from school. I'm going to dive back into that and start trying to learn. But uh, if you'd like to follow uh, me, you can go to Instagram.com slash Elliot Morgan or Twitter.com slash Elliot C. Morgan or YouTube.com slash Elliot Morgan if you'd like to see video versions of The Fundamentalists. We have one in the can. It's coming up very soon. Um, And uh, we're going to get a new set very soon, and I'm very excited about it. But The Fundamentalists is a philosophy psychology podcast that I do with uh, one of my best friends named Peter Rollins. Uh, who uh, uh, is this very smart Irishman. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for letting me do this. I hope Joe and Steve are okay with me doing it. And if they're not, ah, ah, ah. Anyway, I'll end with a passage from, uh, from the Red Book. Reads like Lord of the Rings. There's actually certain things that he didn't even know is like paralleling exactly what Tolkien was writing. With them. Arise then, son of darkness and stench. That'll do for today, folks. Thank you very much. Joe and Steve,